Hey, if you need new sunglasses, if you would like to get new sunglasses, know that Shady Rays, for listeners of the Al Galdi podcast, is offering a fantastic deal. 50% off two or more pairs of polarized sunglasses at ShadyRays.com. Go to ShadyRays.com and use this promo code Al Galdi. Shady Rays sunglasses, they are the best. Shady Rays offers the most insane protection in all of eyewear. Every pair of sunglasses is backed by lost and broken replacements, meaning that if you lose or break your pair of sunglasses, even on day one, Shady Rays will send you a brand new pair of sunglasses. No questions asked. Wear your Shady Rays with confidence because Shady Rays has your back long after your purchase. Go to ShadyRays.com and use that code ALGALDI for 50% off two or more pairs of polarized sunglasses. Yeah, 50% off two or more pairs of polarized sunglasses. If you don't love them, you can exchange them for sunglasses that you do love, or you can return your sunglasses for a full refund within 30 days. There's no risk when you shop with Shady Rays. Shady Rays always has your back. Go to ShadyRays.com and use that code Al Galdi for 50% off two or more pairs of polarized sunglasses. And away we go. Episode 578. Of the Al Galdi Podcast, it is Tuesday, May 23rd, 2023, and we have a Western Conference champion for this NBA season, the Denver Nuggets, a 113-111 win at the Los Angeles Lakers on Monday night to complete a four-game sweep in the Western Conference Finals. You know, we in the Eastern Conference Finals have this bonkers scenario, right? The eight-seeded Miami Heat with a 3-0 lead on the two-seeded Boston Celtics, but we in the Western Conference Finals have had normalcy. Uh, The one-seeded Nuggets, a four-game sweep of the seven-seeded Lakers. The Nuggets on Monday night overcame a 15-point third-quarter deficit, also overcame a big game from the king, LeBron James. Uh, He was great. 4-7 of on threes, 11-18 of on twos, 6-7 of on free throws. He finished with 40 points, 10 rebounds, 9 assists versus 1 turnover, and 2 steals. But Nikola Jokic, a.k.a. the Joker, uh, he on Monday night, a triple-double. Three of six on threes, eight of 18 on twos, five of six on free throws. He finished with 30 points, 14 rebounds, 13 assists versus three turnovers and three blocks. This was Nikola Jokic's eighth triple double this postseason. He has passed Wilt Chamberlain for the most triple doubles in a single NBA postseason. The Joker is incredible. And never forget this with the Joker. He was taken. With a second round pick, the Nuggets took Nikola Jokic in the second round of the 2014 NBA draft. Let that sink in for our terrible drafting wizards. Hello and welcome to this Tuesday installment of the Al Galdi podcast. The NFL's spring league meeting in Minneapolis has begun, and we on Monday had some stuff on the sale of the commanders. Uh, The NFL's finance committee met. Uh, A member of that committee, Indianapolis Colts owner and CEO Jim Irsay, spoke to reporters, and he said some things that uh, raised some concerns about the sale 
of our team to the Josh Harris group being approved. Uh, But then a few hours later, Dallas Cowboys owner, president, and general manager Jerry Jones spoke to reporters, and he very much made it sound like the sale of the commanders to the Harris group will be approved. Uh, Next segment, I'll take you through what went down. Uh, You will hear from both Jim and Jerry, and I'll explain what I think is going on here. Bottom line, whatever holdups there are with the sale being formally approved uh, have more to do with how expensive the commanders are and how antiquated a rule that the NFL is abiding by is uh, than the holdups have to do with there being something inherently wrong with the Harris group. There have been many things wrong with Dan Snyder as owner of the team uh, since he bought the team in May 1999. There do not appear to be many, if any, things wrong with the Josh Harris group. And in fact, I have some quotes that were given to NFL insider Albert Breer of the MMQB uh, that will speak to Harris being good. Uh, Also on the show, a good guest, attorney and sports law expert Daniel Wallach. Uh, He is the co-host of the sports law podcast, Conduct Detrimental. Uh, He also serves as a sports law analyst for The Athletic. Uh, Daniel's going to talk to us about the sale of the Commanders, including what is going on with Commanders bidder Brian Davis, this lawsuit that his company has filed against Bank of America. The Brian Davis situation has gotten even stranger, if you can believe that. But Daniel also is going to talk to us about Dan Snyder. Yes, Daniel on Daniel, uh, including the trouble that Dan Snyder might still be in even once he sells the Commanders. Uh, A whole lot more trouble for Dan Snyder could be coming even once he sells a team. Uh, This is part of why Danny uh, may be seeking indemnification. Uh, Daniel Wallach, uh, he has a great handle, a great command, if you will, on the Dan Snyder saga, and is going to explain that which is happening and could be happening. Uh, By the way, two big non-commanders items from the NFL Spring League meeting on Monday. NFL owners passed a resolution by which there can be flex scheduling for Thursday night football for this coming season. Uh, The flex scheduling for Thursday night football will be for weeks 13 through 17. So for this coming season, there will be flex scheduling to varying degrees in effect for Thursday night football, Sunday night football, and Monday night football. Uh, And NFL owners on Monday passed a resolution by which NFL teams can designate emergency quarterbacks on game days without those players counting as teams' active players. Now, uh, the player must be on a team's 53-man roster. He cannot be a practice squad player. And the player can only play if the team's top two quarterbacks are injured. Uh, This new rule does not apply for benched quarterbacks. Now, I like this new rule, although to me, what should have been done is the complete elimination of game day inactives. I have never understood the NFL's game day inactives. Why NFL teams can't just have all of their active roster players active for games (laughs) makes no sense to me. You can tweet me at Al Galdi. You can email me the Al Galdi podcast at yahoo.com. Tweet from Stephen Daniel on Commander's quarterback Sam Howell off our Sam Howell conversation on Monday's show, episode 577, which included comments from associate head coach slash offensive coordinator Eric Bieniemy on Sam and comments from former St. Louis Rams offensive coordinator and then Head coach Mike Martz, the mastermind of The Greatest Show on Turf, said Martz of Sam, quote, I think he's worth getting excited about, end quote. 
Uh, right, Stephen? I am pretty confident that this is the best quarterback room that we have had since Ron arrived. Uh, thank you for the tweet, Stephen. Interesting thought. So this will be Ron Rivera's fourth season as Washington head coach. Uh, the 2020 quarterback room was Dwayne Haskins, Kyle Allen, Alex Smith, Stephen Montez, and then eventually Taylor Heineke. Uh, the 2021 quarterback room was Ryan Fitzpatrick, Taylor Heineke, Kyle Allen, and then eventually Garrett Gilbert. And don't forget Kyle Shermer. Uh, the 2022 quarterback room was Carson Wentz, Taylor Heineke, Sam Howell, and then eventually Jake Fromm. And the 2023 quarterback room for now appears likely to be Sam Howell, Jacoby Brissett, and Jake Fromm. Yeah, if Sam Howell is good, or at least decent, and that's a big if, but if Sam is good, or at least decent, and you have a very capable QB2 in Jacoby Brissett, who played very well for the Cleveland Browns last season, then the team's 2023 quarterback room would be the team's best quarterback room of the Ron Rivera era. Now, you know, that's not saying a ton, uh, but that is saying something. What's tricky is that 2021 quarterback room. Uh, what would Ryan Fitzpatrick have been had he stayed healthy? Washington in March 2021 signed Fitzpatrick as an unrestricted free agent to a one-year $10 million deal. He was the team's QB1. And then, of course, in the regular season opener, a loss to the Los Angeles Chargers at FedEx Field in week one uh, suffered a season-ending and ultimately career-ending right hip subluxation. Uh, But Fitzpatrick, for each of the previous two regular seasons, 2019 and 2020, had finished in the top 10 among all qualified NFL quarterbacks. And ESPN's total QBR. Would he have been good for Washington in 2021, or would he have been a big flop for Washington in 2021? Uh, We'll never know. Email from Jim D on the sale of the Commanders. Writes, Jim, I hope all is well with you. Like many in the Commanders fan base, my number one item of interest this offseason has been the sale of the team, and I'm encouraged to see everything heading in the right direction with the group-led by Mr. Josh Harris, including, at last, an official announcement from both parties. People are so ready for this to be done, but at this point, we've seen enough that I think that any remaining naysayers should be rest assured that the finishing touches are being applied and will be taken care of sooner rather than later. Based on what I have heard and seen regarding ticket sales, I can sense a new beginning is about to burst in front of our very eyes. And speaking of new beginnings, could I get a special... Al Galdi shout out on the podcast. I have worn the honors of honor and I've officially graduated with a Bachelor of Arts in Chemistry from the University of Virginia. Wahoo! And hail to the commanders. Well, thank you for the email, Jim, and a congratulations to you. Uh, email from Justin on the Commander's Next Stadium writes, Justin, I keep hearing all of this talk about returning to RFK, but even as a lifelong fan of the team, I really have no connection to RFK. My earliest memory of being a fan was the team's last Super Bowl, which was not played at RFK. Uh, Maybe I'm in the minority, but my hunch is that, like me, the younger generations of fans have no connections to RFK. It doesn't mean anything anymore. It's a relic, a time past. A lot of NFL teams don't play in their name cities, i.e. the Cowboys, the 49ers, the Giants, the Jets, etc. Uh, I grew up in the Hampton Roads area of Virginia and still live in the area. So selfishly, I would love to see a new stadium in Virginia to make my drive to games easier. Side note, 
I think the Josh Harris group will do wonders for the organization. I'm glad that Jeff Bezos did not buy the team. Josh has a proven track record of confidence, whereas Jeff is unproven in the sports world. Anyway, love the pod. Keep up the great work. Well, thank you for that, Justin. Much appreciated. Uh, Look, there's no doubt that RFK Stadium is a relic from the past, the distant past at this point. The team's last season at RFK Stadium was the 1996 season. Uh, 1996 was 27 years ago. And the team's glory days while playing at RFK Stadium were 1982 through 1992. So that's more than 30 years ago. Uh, People like Justin are exactly why I say that a new commander stadium in Virginia or Maryland could work. Uh, Those people are exactly why I say that the Commander's Next Stadium is not Washington, D.C. or bust. I do think that the D.C. thing is a little overrated. And what's especially worth considering is the following. As time has gone on and the team has had all of the problems that the team has had and the population and the demographics of the Washington, D.C. area have changed, uh, is it not possible, if not probable, that when it comes to D.C., Maryland, and Virginia, it is Virginia that has the most fans of the commanders? I mean, Washington, D.C., the actual city, as we know, is transient, is filled with people who aren't from the area. Uh, Maryland, in the parts of the state closest to D.C., has a lot of commanders fans, but the state also has a good number of Baltimore Ravens fans, and even in counties like Montgomery County and Prince George's County, you are seeing Ravens fans. Uh, It seems to me that Virginia just might be number one out of D.C., Maryland, and Virginia for most Commanders fans, for being the most fertile area for the Commanders. And so this is why when, (laughs) when potential stadium sites like Woodbridge, Virginia, and Dumfries, Virginia came up last year, I did not scoff at them, okay? Other people in the media went nuts over those sites. I did not. I did not react with the uh, visceral hate (laughs) of those sites that so many others did. You know, there is an elitist attitude from people who live uh, where I live, okay? In Washington, D.C. slash Montgomery County, Maryland slash PG County, Maryland. And this elitist attitude exists toward Prince William County, Virginia, especially toward Woodbridge and Dumfries. And that just really is funny to me. You would think that Woodbridge and especially Dumfries are third world countries with how Woodbridge and especially Dumfries got talked about uh, by the immediate D.C. area elitists last year. And when it comes to distance, I mean, that's all relative. Woodbridge, Virginia is far away if you live, wait for it, far away from Woodbridge, Virginia. But if you live in Fairfax County, Virginia, or Loudoun County, Virginia, or Prince William County, Virginia, or Southern Virginia, then Woodbridge, Virginia isn't so bad. And those areas have plenty of Commanders fans, but do not have many Ravens fans and are not filled with people from other areas in the way that the city of Washington, D.C. is. All of this is a matter of perspective. Uh, And by the way, I am saying this as someone who does live far away from uh, Prince William County, Virginia, okay? I mean, we have friends who live in Fairfax County and Loudoun County. For us, just going out there can be brutal, okay? Having to take 
I-66. I mean, I would rather someone take a baseball bat to my knees than drive on 66, all right? That is the interstate of the devil. That is the interstate of Lucifer, okay? Uh, In terms of traffic, there's never not traffic on 66. So I get it. If you live in the immediate Washington, D.C. area, not being in love with the Commander's Next Stadium, being in Prince William County, Virginia, but, you know, I think you have to be open-minded here. Uh, A new Commander Stadium on the RFK Stadium site in D.C. would be very well received, no doubt, and could be a great thing, okay? But there are other sites at which a new Commander Stadium could be a great thing, too. And with that in mind, how about this? And it comes to us from a friend of the Al Galdi podcast, Commander's Insider Michael Phillips of Richmond.com. He late Monday afternoon tweeted the following, quote, D.C.'s government has opened up a request for proposals for the Poplar Point site across from Nationals Park. 110 acres waiting for development. A $2 billion mixed-use plan was approved in 2008, but never got off the ground. Sleeper Stadium site. End quote. So when we talk about the Commander's Next Stadium potentially being in Washington, D.C., perhaps it's not just the RFK Stadium site that we should be thinking about. Well, it's a funny thing how Indianapolis Colts owner and CEO Jim Ursay has become a go-to owner for us at these NFL League meetings in the midst of the Dan Snyder saga. Uh, It was Ursay who this past October 18th at the NFL Fall League meeting in Manhattan, New York, became the first NFL owner to publicly question whether Dan Snyder should remain as an owner of the Commanders. It was Ursay who this past March 27th at the NFL's annual league meeting, which took place in Phoenix, Arizona, said that a sale of the Commanders would be, quote, greatly beneficial for everyone, end quote, and that, quote, the hope is for a sale End quote. Well, Monday was day one of the NFL's spring league meeting in Minneapolis. The meeting is taking place Monday through Wednesday, May 22nd through the 24th. Uh, as you may know, the sale of the Commanders is happening. As we now two Friday afternoons ago, May 12th, had the formal joint announcement from Commanders co-owners and co-CEOs Dan and Tanya Snyder and from Josh Harris on behalf of the Harris Ownership Group announcing that the Snyders and the Harris Group had entered into a purchase and sale agreement for the Commanders. Uh, Now, Jeff Miller, the NFL's Executive Vice President of Communications, Public Affairs, and Policy, he this past Thursday at a conference call with reporters did say that this uh, spring league meeting in Minneapolis would not include a formal owner's vote on the sale of the Commanders. But Miller did say that, quote, the league staff and finance committee will continue to review the details of the transaction. We will provide membership with an update in Minnesota, end quote. And sure enough, Monday morning, the NFL's finance committee held a meeting at this uh, spring league meeting in Minneapolis. The NFL's finance committee includes Jim Irsay. The meeting lasted for about an hour and a half, after which Ursay, guess what, spoke to reporters. And while he did not paint a pessimistic picture of the sale being approved, he did very much convey that the sale has a ways to go before being approved. Uh, This was Ursay on Monday afternoon on whether he's confident that the Josh Harris Group's purchase of the commanders ultimately will be approved. You know, I, I, you know, we'll we'll see what happens. I think it's gonna, 
kind of depend on the Harris group on that point. You know, I think they kind of know, you know, what the rules are. And, you know, I, I, I think, I, I know they really want to get a deal done, and, and we do. And, and uh, um, so you hope that carries the day. But at this point, I can't say, you know, you know, you, you hope that it gets done. But, but I think, um, you know, there, there's more work to be done at this point. Okay, so that was not exactly a uh, super cheery, super rosy outlook from old Jimmy Ursay on the Josh Harris Group's purchase of the commanders ultimately being approved. Quote, we'll see what happens. I think it's going to depend on the Harris Group. They know what the rules are. End quote. Ah, uh, yes, the rules. Uh, more on those rules in moments, but here is some more from Jim Irsay on Monday afternoon. This deal's been put together, and I think, you know, all three parties, the league and the Harris group and, you know, the commanders, they, they want to see this deal get done. Um, it's just, um, you know, being on the finance committee and being representing the ownership, um, you know, there's certain criteria that has to be met. I mean... I mean, that's just the way it is, you know, and and it's not there yet, you know, but it doesn't mean that it can't get there. It's, it's you know, it's, 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 it's complicated, put it that way. Um, you know, I could explain it to you and it wouldn't tell you anything because you would say, what did you just say, you know, but um, so, uh, but, um, you know, it's not too complicated to kind of really get to the quick of it and make sure, you know, that we get a deal that, um, you know, um, complies, you know, within the league rules. And we're trying to do everything we can to, to make the deal work. All right. So more from Jim Irsay on the rules. Quote, there's certain criteria that has to be met. I mean, that's just the way it is. It's not there yet, but it doesn't mean that it can't get there. End quote. So we don't know what exactly the holdups slash concerns with the Josh Harris Group's offer for the Commanders are, but we do know a few things. We know that the offer is for $6.05 billion, which would be a record price for a team in major North American pro sports. Uh, we know that the price of $6.05 billion is not a straight $6.05 billion. The Washington Post this past Wednesday afternoon, May 17th, came out with a report saying that the Josh Harris Group's deal to buy the Commanders includes an earnout, uh, which is a structure that would provide Dan Snyder with a deferred payment of an amount contingent on the franchise reaching specified financial benchmarks. Uh, we know that the Josh Harris Group consists of Josh Harris and many limited partners, all of whom uh, must be properly vetted by the NFL. And we know that the NFL has what, in my opinion, is this antiquated rule by which a buyer of an NFL team can borrow up to $1.1 billion secured against the franchise, regardless of the price of the franchise. So that $1.1 billion borrowing limit exists no matter what the price of the franchise is. The bottom line is this, the Josh Harris Group's offer for the commanders is complicated. And, you know, that last part, the $1.1 billion borrowing limit makes things even more difficult. Why the NFL insists on this $1.1 billion borrowing limit, regardless of price, is beyond me. The borrowing limit should be a percentage of the price, not some arbitrary raw number. 
I mean, in this environment of skyrocketing NFL franchise valuations, you can't have the same borrowing limit in place no matter the price. The record sale price for an NFL team had been the $4.65 billion that the Walton Penner Group paid for the Denver Broncos in a sale that was finalized last August. Why should the Josh Harris Group for its $6.05 billion purchase of the Commanders, have the same $1.1 billion borrowing limit that the Walton Penner Group had for its $4.65 billion purchase of the Broncos. I mean, does that make sense? That makes no sense to me. Uh, Now, sports business insider A.J. Perez of Front Office Sports on Monday afternoon did report that, quote, sources told FOS that the particulars on the structure of the deal are less about Harris's financing to comply with NFL debt limits and more to do with the number of limited partners, end quote. Well, whatever the concerns are, if they are just about, you know, breaking some norms that need to be broken, given how expensive this sale is, then to me, you break the norms, Okay, like Jim Irsay said, everyone wants this sale to happen. The Josh Harris group, the Snyders, the NFL, all of us. Okay, (laughs) everyone wants this sale to happen. So let's make this happen. Uh, It is worth noting this, that the approval of the sale is taking some time isn't necessarily reason to panic. A tweet from ESPN senior writer Seth Wickersham on Monday afternoon, quote, Commissioner Roger Goodell just told owners and executives at the league meetings in Minnesota that the committee vetting the Harris slash Washington sale will need more time before a vote and added that nobody should read into that, end quote. Also, on Monday evening, Dallas Cowboys owner, president, and general manager Jerry Jones said the following about the status of the sale of the commanders to the Josh Harris group. Take a listen. Well, I would uh, anticipate it uh, being done. Is there a timeline at all? No, I, I don't have one, but uh, and there is none that I'm aware of. But uh, I, I would have... I don't want to simplify a lot of people's a lot of work, but these are uh, outstandingly qualified owners, and uh, uh, not just uh, there are several, there are a handful of qualified owners here, but certainly the significant ones we read about are very qualified, and uh, that always rules the day on getting it uh, uh, ruled and, and cleared with the NFL. All right. So how about that? Said Jerry Jones on the sale of the commanders, quote, I would anticipate it being done, end quote. And said Jerry on the Josh Harris group, quote, these are outstandingly qualified owners, end quote. Jerry Jones is the most powerful owner in the NFL. If he says that he anticipates the sale of the commanders to the Josh Harris group getting done and Jerry says that those in the Josh Harris group, quote, are outstandingly qualified owners, end quote. Then the sale of the commanders to the Josh Harris group ultimately is going to get done. Uh, By the way, neither Dan Snyder nor Tanya Snyder is at this spring league meeting. Uh, In recent years, Tanya had attended these league meetings. Uh, Not this time. Uh, The commanders at this spring league meeting are being represented by team president Jason Wright and uh, two team attorneys slash advisors, uh, this guy Norm, and then I'm not sure how you pronounce his last name, but it's spelled C-H-I-R-I-T-E, and uh, Carl Schreiber. 
Uh, and when it comes to an actual formal owner's vote on the sale of the commanders, uh, Jim Irsay on Monday afternoon did say that the idea is for a special owner's meeting after July 4th. <laughs> so, yeah, it may be another, what, month and a half until this sale gets finalized. Uh, I know. I mean, we all want the sale to be finalized yesterday. Uh, but hey, pretty much nothing with our team is ever simple or easy. So why should this sale be simple or easy? Uh, but here is a sale that is both <laughs> simple and easy. The sale that Shady Rays is offering to listeners of this podcast. Uh, Shady Rays, for listeners of the Al Galding podcast, continues to offer a great deal. 50%, yes, 50% off two or more pairs of polarized sunglasses at ShadyRays.com. Go to ShadyRays.com and use the promo code ALGALDI. Shady Rays is an independent sunglasses company that offers a world-class product that's affordable and durable with clear optics for whatever you're doing outside. And Shady Rays offers the most insane protection in all of eyewear. Every pair of sunglasses is backed by lost and broken replacements, meaning that if you lose or break your pair of sunglasses, even on day one, Shady Rays will send you a brand new pair of sunglasses, no questions asked. You can wear your Shady Rays with confidence because Shady Rays has your back long after your purchase. And Shady Rays is offering this great deal for listeners of the Al Galdi podcast. Go to ShadyRays.com and use the code ALGALDI for 50% off two or more pairs of polarized sunglasses. Yes, 50% off two or more pairs of polarized sunglasses. Uh, if you don't love them, you can exchange them for sunglasses that you do love, or you can return your sunglasses for a full refund within 30 days. You see, there is no risk when you shop with Shady Rays. Shady Rays always has your back. Go to ShadyRays.com and use the code ALGALDI for 50% off two or more pairs of polarized sunglasses. If you have been thinking about getting new sunglasses, now is the time and Shady Rays is the way. Try for yourself the shades rated five stars by over 200,000 people. That's ShadyRays.com and use that promo code ALGALDI for 50% off two or more pairs of polarized sunglasses. Uh, also, Shady Rays has done some great work, has donated over 20 million meals to fight hunger with Feeding America. Shady Rays, look good and feel good. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
Well, if you are at all turned off by uh, what went down with the sale of the Commanders on Monday, here's something that should make you feel better. Uh, NFL insider Albert Breer of the MMQB, he in a piece that came out on Monday morning just like raved about our incoming Commanders owner, Josh Harris. How about this quote from NBA Commissioner Adam Silver, who of course knows Harris with him being the managing partner of the Philadelphia 76ers. Quote, ownership is as personal to him as it is to any hardcore fan. I want to assure Commanders fans This is not a professional investor coming in to create a portfolio of sports assets. And this team is very unique to him in terms of the intensity of his fandom. End quote. NHL Commissioner Gary Bettman, who of course knows Harris with him being the managing partner of the New Jersey Devils, quote, look at the 76ers and how much better they've done. Look at the Devils and how much better they've done. So if I'm a fan of the Commanders, I'm pretty excited, end quote. For more now on the sale of the commanders to the Josh Harris Group and for particular insight on what's next for Dan Snyder off his 24 years of ownership of the team, I'm very pleased to welcome to the Al Galdi podcast attorney and sports law expert Daniel Wallach. Uh, he is the co-host of a terrific sports law podcast with a great title, Conduct Detrimental. Uh, He also serves as a sports law analyst for The Athletic. You can follow Daniel on Twitter at Wallach Legal. Hey, Daniel, how are you? I'm doing great. Uh, And you're very, very... uh you know, wise choice of a name for a podcast that we chose. You know, th- I think it was about five years ago. It's one of those evergreen names that will never go away. Lifted right out of Article 46 of the CBA and probably in every article in the current CBA. It's, par- it's, it's replete throughout the NFL Constitution, and it even carries over to other sports. So as long as there are um, disciplinary proceedings in football, our title will remain uh, you know, very relevant. It didn't go away with Deflategate, uh, and it's not going to go away with the demise of Dan Snyder either. No, it's not. Uh, you're right about that. So a lot that I want to get to with you, but as we are in the midst of the NFL Spring League meeting and uh, we are awaiting the finalizing of the sale of the Commanders, uh, you on your podcast and on Twitter have spent a lot of time discussing and analyzing the Dan Snyder saga. As someone who has observed this ordeal and scrutinized this ordeal, are you surprised that he's selling the team? Or did you feel for a while that this would be the ultimate outcome? I think uh, I, I think Jim Ersay er- um, er- signaled this almost a year ago, maybe about eight months ago, that there was enough there was enough evidence here. There was enough here for the owners to proceed with disciplinary charges against Dan Snyder to toss him out of the National Football League on a, on a two-thirds vote. It was a three-quarters vote. Sorry, three-quarters vote. What surprised me isn't that Snyder's selling, but that he was not forced to sell. And Ursay's unfulfilled promise and the reluctance of the other owners to get their fingers dirty or hands dirty uh, shifted the pendulum of momentum back to Snyder, who now controls the timing of the process and basically controls everything. We're now on almost eight months since he's hired Bank of America. Has it it been eight months, five? Yeah, seven full months, almost to the day that he retained Bank of America to uh, help uh, facilitate the sale of the Washington Commanders. The Denver Broncos were sold in almost half that amount of time. So by taking the pressure off of, of Snyder, 
and by not going after him under internal NFL disciplinary apparatus, uh, they've essentially ceded him control over everything. Now, obviously, the league owners have to approve the new buyer, but everything up through and including that point is under Snyder's exclusive control. So, who's who's the casualty here? The casualty here, you know, is the football team that is now proceeding into an NFL regular season with a head coach, a general manager, team president who likely aren't even going to be there in the 2024 regular season. So this is like almost like a do-over season. The best thing you can hope for is that they don't do too much long-lasting, long-term damage and maybe come away with the number one overall pick. But if I'm a Washington Commanders fan or Washington football team fan, uh, I don't know if my heart is into uh, enthusiastically following the team because this is this is sort of the transition period and there are a lot of questions and without and with a leadership void uh, I, I just wouldn't expect this to be one of those seasons that will uh, stand out in history as the is one of the most successful regular seasons in the franchise history it's going to be anything but it's going to be either middle of the road or a losing season you may be right I hope like heck that you're wrong uh, but you may be right uh, one of the things that is perhaps still to be worked out before the sale of the team is finalized is the Mary Jo White investigation. Uh, it was on May 12th that ESPN reported that Dan Snyder wants the NFL to limit the release of the Mary Jo White report. How likely is that, do you think? It would have been much more likely to be limited or restricted before Snyder and Josh Harris entered into their binding agreement for submission to the NFL executive committee and to the, and to the ownership ranks. That deal presumably does not have any outs for where, where Snyder can terminate the deal if he does not get uh, what he wants with respect to Mary Jo White. So I think, I think he lost his leverage or presumably lost his leverage once that contract or signed agreement is on the desk of Roger Goodell. So I don't think it's very likely he'll be able to um, succeed in, in prevailing upon Commissioner Goodell to whitewash the report to the same, res- to, to the same extent that they did with the, with, with the uh, Beth Wilkinson report. Although I, w- I would expect not to see a full-blown release of the entire report, which is what the NBA did when they investigated Robert Sauber. They included a link to the law firm's full investigative report, chapter and verse. I expect something in between this summary, this two-page summary that, that Goodell uh, invoked in the aftermath of Belt Wilkinson, something between that and the release of the full-blown report. Uh, knowing, that the way, knowing the way the NFL does business, uh, they place uh, an emphasis and priority on secrecy over transparency. The Mary Jo White investigation was formally announced in February 2022. We're now, of course, in late May 2023. It has been reported that Dan Snyder has not been cooperative in speaking with Mary Jo White. Uh, That said, there is a widespread belief that an investigation like this one should not take more than a year. Do you think that the investigation has long since been completed and that the holdup on a report is what we just talked about, Dan balking at the entirety of a report coming out? Or do you think that this investigation actually may still be going on? I think Dan Snyder was probably the last um, domino to fall in the sense that uh, Mary Jo White likely interviewed all the accusing witnesses first and saved Dan Snyder for the end. And some of the additional time 
may have been spent uh, wrangling with Dan Snyder's legal counsel to try to secure his cooperation. And in the absence of that cooperation, uh, now Mary Jo White is left with uh, essentially everything but Dan Snyder's testimony. But remember, he gave a deposition to the House Oversight Committee uh, from Israel that uh, we haven't seen the full transcript. I don't believe we've seen the full transcript of it, but it was a day-long deposition. She will have his statements made under oath during that proceeding. She'll have his public statements and public comments, and there will be interviews of, of team employees, executives, some of the accusers. There is an extensive record that Mary Jo White uh, will be able to draw upon in reaching her conclusions. This is not a criminal trial. This is Listen, is internal investigation. And Mary Jo White, as a former head of the Securities Exchange Commission, I believe she was a former U.S. federal district court judge. No, no, former U.S. Uh, attorney for the Southern District of New York. This is in her wheelhouse to make conclusions uh, of fact and determinations of fact based upon the wealth of evidence. There is an extensive evidentiary record here. So I would expect uh, Snyder's lack of cooperation to in and of itself constitute conduct detrimental because the CBA imposes a duty of cooperation on participants in a league investigation. And, on, and while he's on his way out, Snyder doesn't give a damn. He doesn't care anymore. He's going to sell his team. But certainly uh, that level of oh, that lack of cooperation is by itself conduct detrimental as, as well as when you get beyond just the uh, harassment accusations and the sexual, you know, violence or sexual assault type allegations. There is an extensive uh, history of witnesses to the Beth Wilkinson investigation being harassed and targeted by Dan Snyder's uh, investigators, lawyers, and maybe even by uh, Snyder himself. Snyder had his hand in so many different aspects of the Wilkinson investigation that his obstructionist behavior with respect to the conduct of that investigation will stand on its own as conduct detrimental to the welfare of the National Football League. But what people ultimately care about, what the accusers care about, is not so much Snyder's interference with an investigation. Their, their accusations focus on workplace misconduct, sexual assault, sexual harassment. She's going to need to deal with those issues, as well as the ones that bear upon this bank loan that, that Snyder secured without the uh, knowledge of his limited partners. That those allegations are, are are potentially part of a criminal or potentially part of a, a grand jury investigation in the in the Eastern District of Virginia. She's got a lot on her plate, and the bar is set so low for what constitutes conduct detrimental. As I said earlier, this is not a criminal trial that requires proof beyond a reasonable doubt on a specifically defined criminal offense. Conduct detrimental is basically could be almost any kind of conduct that reflects poorly on the National Football League or detracts from the good and welfare of the league. That's about as low of a bar as you can get uh, for an offense. Another aspect of the finalizing of the sale of the commanders uh, is this potential indemnification of Dan Snyder, uh, perhaps by the NFL, perhaps by Josh Harris. How likely, in your opinion, is some form of indemnification of Dan by the NFL or by Harris? Very low likelihood unless it was contractually agreed to by uh, Josh Harris's ownership group. And I, I don't know. We haven't seen the full-blown purchase agreement. But generally speaking, indemnification 
provisions uh, providing indemnity for sexual assault, sexual harass harassment, intentional torts. Indemnification provisions like that are generally void as against public policy. So many states don't even recognize those types of indemnity provisions. Now, the team, now, now uh, claims made against the team are certainly going to be on the watch of Josh Harris. But I think Dan, I think Dan Snyder is going to be sort of on, on a limb on his own with respect to um, claims, judgments, assessments made against him. Because I, unless unless Harris agreed to guarantee that. Uh, I, I don't see this being part of the asset purchase agreement, and, that, and that, that's something that the NFL is not duty bound to provide him because the NFL has the leverage here. Dan Snyder owes he, he has, he's indebted to Bank of America in excess of one billion dollars. Uh, has this lifestyle that he needs to sort of sustain, and there is a check going to be coming due from the Josh Harris ownership group of six point oh five billion dollars. Whatever the claims against Snyder are, if they're all true. And all the claimants get all the damages that they're seeking. We're talking about tens of millions of dollars, potentially, worst case scenario, on a tab of $6.05 billion. It's just not enough to create a deal uh, when the alternative is uh, the NFL could uh, turn up the screws and, and, and if Snyder refuses to go forward uh, you know, with the Harris deal because of the lack of an indemnification provision, then the league could take it to the next step at the November meeting and initiate uh, disciplinary proceedings to oust him and force him to sell his interest under a league-managed procedure, which may not yield nearly as much money as the current negotiations have, have done. <laughs> oh, boy, that would be something, man. Uh, this sale needs to be finalized and needs to be finalized as soon as possible. Listen, as a sports lawyer, you know, Al, I don't want Dan Snyder to go away. I know I know the Redskin fans can't wait to get rid of him, like good riddance. But in my on my beat, uh, a 2024 without Dan Snyder is a very uh, unsettling proposition. Yeah, Dan Snyder, when it comes to things for people like you and me to talk about, uh, has provided a uh, bottomless well of material, uh, no doubt. Much more with Daniel Wallach in moments. Uh, Dan Snyder's ownership of the team, of course, has been a mess, just like the home and auto insurance markets are messes right now. Uh, we are routinely seeing 20% increases in home and auto insurance, even when the account is clean, meaning no accidents or violations on the auto insurance and no claims on the property insurance, uh, you right now have every reason to shop your home and auto insurance. And that's why you should go with BMC Insurance. Check out BMC Insurance. Go to insurancebmc.com and you'll be put in touch with the owner and president, Matt Brooks, a loyal listener of this podcast. And make sure that you mention that Al Galdi sent you. BMC Insurance, it offers home insurance, auto insurance, and also small business insurance in Maryland, Virginia, Washington, D.C., and North Carolina. BMC Insurance is an independent insurance agency, meaning that it has many, as in dozens, of insurance carriers it works with to make sure that clients are always paying competitive rates. Uh, what's especially great about BMC Insurance is that it has relationships with its clients. Uh, BMC Insurance is a trusted advisor 
for your insurance needs. BMC Insurance continues to work with clients after sales. Uh, It has team members who actually shop clients' insurance every year when they renew. And BMC Insurance does this proactively so that you don't have to. BMC Insurance will save you time and money. And perhaps most telling, BMC Insurance's client retention rates historically are much higher than industry averages. When people get BMC Insurance, they stay with BMC Insurance. Don't get gouged on your home and auto insurance. Check out BMC Insurance. Go to insurancebmc.com. Talk to my guy, Matt Brooks, and make sure that you mention that Al Galdi sent you. And BMC Insurance does offer small business insurance. So if you're looking for general liability, workers' comp, or commercial auto insurance, BMC Insurance can help. Visit insurancebmc.com. That's insurancebmc.com. And make sure that you mention that Al Galdi sent you. More now with attorney and sports law expert Daniel Wallach on Dan Snyder and the sale of the commanders. What do you make of these investigations of Dan Snyder that are still going on beyond the Mary Jo White investigation, if that is still going on? Uh, Specifically, what ESPN in its report from this past February 28th told us about a criminal inquiry being led by a team of FBI and IRS agents regarding a $55 million loan that Dan took out in December 2018. Uh, Also, the Virginia Attorney General, Jason Meares, investigating Dan and the team for alleged financial impropriety. Don't forget about Carl Racine. I mean, he's no longer the the, the Attorney General in the District of Columbia. He's been replaced, but he brought a federal, he brought a state, a D.C. Superior Court lawsuit that uh, the goal of which was to compensate, uh, you know, the district for the consumer, you know, you know, fraud that was committed by Snyder. But as part of that, they're going to be seeking in discovery the full Beth Wilkinson report. That case has been uh, temporarily, at least for the moment, transferred by Dan Snyder and the NFL to federal court in the District of Columbia. And um, uh, the, the D.C. Attorney General has filed a motion to remand the case back to D.C. Superior Court. That's going to be a big deal. That's sort of a, a procedural issue that may not that, that may not rise to the level of being so important to your listeners. But the release of the Mary Jo White report, the potential release of it, I think may hinge on whether this case ends up in D.C. Superior Court or remains in federal court. But because in the Superior Court, the judge that's assigned to that case has a history of letting these kinds of consumer unfair consumer practice claims basically get into discovery and almost go to trial, whereas in federal court, a judge it may be more inclined to dismiss the case on a motion to dismiss or a motion for summary judgment and prevent any discovery from taking place. So the end goal of the attorney general may be best served in the um, D.C. Superior Court system. So that's a case well, that's a lawsuit that Baz watching very closely. It's not a, it's not top of mind for anybody except for me, but that ruling could uh, accelerate or expedite the release of the Wilkinson report potentially as soon as you know within the next calendar year, if it even matters by then. And so you do not think that Dan Snyder, no longer being owner of the commanders, will somehow make these investigations go away. Like you believe that these investigators will not be losing their appetites for Dan, even once the team is sold. Yeah, I mean, prosecutors in Virginia are looking very closely at not only the question of whether bank fraud was committed, but the issue of how Snyder has utilized 
his personal assets, commingled his personal and business assets. And, you know, by way of example, his, 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 you know, I guess yacht or whatever that's called, he bills, you know, the commanders pay, I don't remember what the amounts are, but the, but the team pays Snyder a significant amount of money to have the logo slapped on Dan Snyder's personal yacht. Okay. So issues like that, where corporate monies are transferred to Dan Snyder, that has to, you know, I'm not a tax lawyer, but that sounds like something that may constitute income that someone has to declare on their tax return. So the um, U.S. Attorney's Office in the, in the Eastern District of Virginia may potentially even be looking at tax evasion issues. Uh, so there's a lot we don't know about the scope and status of this investigation, but the reporting done by Seth Wickersham and Don Van Natta Jr. on ESPN, I would implore your listeners uh, to read their uh, deep dive investigative reports on some of these uh, you know, facts or alleged facts. And Dan Snyder's not going to be out of the woods you know, as soon as the, the check clears uh, from Josh Harris, he's going to have to contend with a potential criminal investigation in Virginia, lawsuits in the District uh, of, of Columbia, uh, as well as the potential litigation claims of, you know, sexual assault and sexual harassment victims. You know, they're, they're all lawyered up. They have these lawyers that are demanding transparency from the National Football League. They may be waiting in the wings, to file uh, civil claims against Dan Snyder because depending upon the choice of law and when these incidents occurred and whether the statute of limitations may be told for victims of sexual crimes, uh, you know, it, the, the reason lawyers like this are prominent in the case is that they're potentially going to be filing litigation against Dan Snyder. That's the reason why Snyder wants indemnity. He wants indemnification and protection from the contingent liabilities associated with these lawsuits or potential lawsuits that have yet to be filed. That is fascinating. Uh, so it sure seems that even once Dan Snyder sells the commanders, uh, there could be a lot more coming in the uh, Dan Snyder saga. All right. This Brian Davis lawsuit. I debated even bringing this up because this guy comes off like such a con man, such a carny. Uh, but it was your enterprise, Conduct Detrimental, that broke the news this past Friday evening of Commander's Bitter, Brian Davis's company, Urban Echo Energy, having filed a multi-billion dollar lawsuit against Bank of America, uh, which is handling the sale of the commanders. Uh, the lawsuit alleges that an amount of $5.1 billion was sent by Urban Echo and transferred to Bank of America in two different transfers. Included in the court filings were images of two alleged copies of the bank drafts dated March 8, 2023. Said Davis's attorney, Jeffrey T. Martin, in the complaint, quote, upon information and belief, BOA never made the Snyders aware of the existence of the bank drafts, end quote. Uh, the lawsuit also said that Davis on March 21st bid $7.1 billion for the commanders and said Martin in the complaint, quote, as a result of BOA's wrongful detention of Urban Echo's property, Urban Echo has suffered damages consisting of the return of plaintiffs $5.1 billion and additional damages in an amount to be proven at trial, end quote. A lot to take in. 
And you on Monday afternoon tweeted out an update to the story uh, saying that Urban Echo Energy has filed an emergency motion for a temporary restraining order to force Bank of America to immediately credit $5.1 billion to the account of Urban Echo Energy. Uh, This in order for Urban Echo Energy's offer to purchase the commanders for $7.1 billion, quote, to be properly evaluated, end quote. Brian Davis has this very sketchy history as a businessman. What do you make of the lawsuit? Well, I'll tell you that the number one issue is where did this $5 billion come from? Where, where did Brian Davis arrive in life where uh, estates of dead people send him bank drafts for $5.1 <laughs> billion? Right? So, so he's trying to make a bid for the commanders. And as part of a, an entreaty to Bank of America, he's trying to show them he's got the money. He's got enough money to bid $7 billion and unsolicited. He sends two bank drafts in March of 2023, totaling $5.1 billion, which, you know, this is this is like the perfect, you know, wet dream for Dan Snyder. He's got a he's got a $7.1 billion offer from Brian Davis, which beats the Harris bid by $1 billion. He's got the first you know, you know, black controlling owner in NFL history. And by the way, Brian Davis is, is supposedly going to indemnify um, Snyder for all these, you know, the, all these matters. Uh, it, it's going to be there. There are no there are no limited partners to worry about. And it's an all cash deal. You would you would think if this was real, Dan Snyder would would, would be off to the races on this. And the NFL ownership group would be would be rejoicing that their franchise values have gone up because the, the highest bid before this one, before this team was sold was the four point, you know, whatever $4.6 billion that Denver sold for. Now a $7.1 billion bid is more than 50% higher. But the question with regard to Brian Davis has been the same question that has ensnared him from the very beginning. Where does he get the money from? The NFL isn't going to just simply accept $5 billion that are, you know, necessarily traceable, you know, to some criminal activity. There's got to be a legitimate source of funding. And when you look at the bank drafts that are issued on a Citibank account, they're not signed by companies affiliated with Brian Davis. The signatory on it is just so bizarre. (laughs) The signatory is the estate of Severino Garcia. Sta Santa Romana. So that's the estate of Severino Garcia Santa Romana. Who is that? Nobody knows. So I put on my detective, you know, investigator hat, and I go I go down the dark, deep recesses of the internet, and I learn that Severino Garcia Santa Romana was a CIA operative who had all this gold, maybe looted gold, and former Philippines President Ferdinand Marcos who was once an attorney, was his attorney in the Philippines. And uh, somehow the money ended up being, you know, transferred under a power of attorney to Marcos. And it's just some crazy tale of large quantities of gold involving President Mark Fernando Marcos, the CIA. And, um, you know, somehow I I, I don't know where this story is going to lead, but if you're Bank of America, and you do any minimal level of investigation here, just just looking at the signature line 
on the bank draft raises red flags because as, as a bank, you're subjected to all these federal statutes, rules, regulations, state laws governing anti-money laundering procedures. There are protocols in place to ensure that monies are not being laundered you know, through, you know, criminal enterprises. And, you know, this, this, you would think that the money would be traceable to some domestic company, some group of investors, but no, it's a dead guy's estate from, you know, Europe that somehow has, and I don't know if this is true, but it could, this, it could just be one of the wildest coincidences that the same name and references to Citibank, you know, turn up uh, articles about looted gold. And, you know, it, it raises, at least if you're a bank examiner or a, an attorney representing Bank of America, you've got to ask questions as to whether there's any fraudulent activity, whether this is money laundering, and or whether there's a court order from the estate of Severino Garcia Santa Romana authorizing that such a large amount of money, $5 billion, that some probate court in Italy authorized the disbursement of this kind of money to purchase a football team several <laughs> continents away. So uh, I think Bank of America probably has a lot of questions. And, and also the heirs to Mr. Romana might be curious as to what happened to their inheritance. Uh, so Bank of America has uh, undoubtedly gone through a, a procedure and a protocol to examine uh, where is this money coming from? And they're asking questions. Probably They should be asking questions of Brian Davis and we don't know what kind of communications have taken place, but I could just tell you from looking at the face of this bank draft, uh, I don't think the NFL wants to come anywhere near this. I don't think Bank of America would want to present an offer like this uh, to Dan Snyder unless the source of funding checks that. It's too early in the game to tell, but at first glance, uh, I'm, not, I'm not thinking that this is a bona fide bid. It certainly doesn't sound like it. Uh, geez, going from Dan Snyder, his owner, to Brian Davis, his owner. It's hard to do worse than Dan, but uh, Brian just might be worse than Dan. You know, think. look at the bright side. Maybe this could open up new markets for the National Football League. Maybe you could play an NFL game in, in the Philippines. Yeah. <laughs> hey, don't give the NFL any ideas. They might take you up on that, knowing them. And well, how, how about they... this? How about this? How about Imelda Marcos Stadium? <laughs> yeah. Well, you wouldn't run out of shoes. We know that. So that would be something that would work out well. A team in Washington being purchased with money looted by a CIA operative. Yeah. You know, it kind of keeps the, you know, nation's capital and the, you know, the agencies, you know, sort of closely connected with the team. Yeah, that does seem at least somewhat appropriate, especially if the name Commander stays. I'm going to change that name, too. I'm not even a fan of the team. And I have no, I have no skin in the game here, but it's just, you know, at the outset, it struck me as just a bland, awful name. Like, it should have come in, like, last. Uh, and all the other entries that were proposed, you know, the red, I don't remember the, the, the specific names, but I liked all of those better. And it just couldn't be that, uh, that the team was reluctant to, you know, pay the trademark transfer fees that some of these, you know, uh, trademark squatters were demanding. I think if you want a certain name, you go out and you get it, you, you spend a couple of million dollars, you buy the guy out and you get the name you want, the commander's uh, I, I, next time I'm on your show, if it's in a year, two years, that name is going to be changed by then. And, you know, it, it, you know I don't know if the league rules will allow a, a name to be changed this expeditiously. 
But I would think that has to be high up on the list of initiatives that the new owners uh, will, will take on, along with, you know, finding an appropriate, you know, stadium uh, deal in one of these jurisdictions, whether it be Virginia, Maryland, or D.C., all of which are now going to return to the, you know, negotiating table and try to pass, you know, you know, laws and, and, and compete against one another to offer the, the, the Washington football team the best possible, you know, stadium package with as much money as possible. But that's not even going to begin until there's a change of control. And hopefully that happens sooner rather than later. Uh, attorney and sports law expert Daniel Wallach, uh, great insight on Dan Snyder and the sale of the commanders. Daniel, thanks a lot. All the best. I look forward to speaking with you again, and uh, have, have a great rest of the day. All right. Hope that you enjoyed my chat with Daniel Wallach. Uh, if you have like 20 seconds, please consider rating and reviewing this podcast. You want Apple Podcasts and on Spotify can rate the podcast. Five-star ratings are very much appreciated, and you on Apple Podcasts can write a review saying that you like the podcast. The review does not have to be long, can be just a sentence or two can be more, but doesn't have to be. Uh, but the ratings and the reviews help out the podcast a lot. So thank you very much for doing them. And that will do it for you and me for now. Keep the feedback coming. You can tweet me at Al Galdi. You can email me, the Al Galdi podcast at yahoo.com. Wednesday show, episode 579, will include a lot for you on the Commanders. Also, I'll talk Nationals and Orioles. And that's on Tuesday night at 7.05. Have game one of a three-game series against the San Diego Padres at Nationals Park. The O's on Tuesday night at 7.05. Have game one of a three-game series at the New York Yankees. Have a great rest of your Tuesday, and I'll talk to you on Wednesday. These are uh, outstandingly qualified owners. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.